0: Now, let's accelerate. Here's James and Ash. Hey
1: everybody, it's James Vagley here and welcome to another episode of the MBA podcast. This week, a really interesting episode for you around how much to pay your staff, including you. And as always, I've got Ash with me. So Ash, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing super well, James. How are you doing? Mm, Excellent. Excellent. And listeners, this is a really topical episode. We... Uh, especially with our membership base, we do get a lot of questions around payments and how much to pay people. And we want to attack this episode with from three perspectives. The first one is around well, exactly you know how much to pay, pay ranges for all sites, all sorts of jobs. The second one is around commission splits, profit share, equity. Should you be offering commission splits and profit share to key members in your team? And then the third one is around paying yourself a wage and which is probably the most important. So before we get to that, what everybody usually wants to know Ash is they've identified a need, I need to hire a processor, I need to hire a credit manager or a broker or insert job here. And they always just want to know how much to pay them. And it can be very easy for us to say, oh you should pay them 40 to 60 or 80 a grand a year, etc. etc. but Given we know that there are so many grey areas in business, why is it, Ash, that we don't want to be like everybody else and just start saying these are the ranges because they're kind of meaningless without the context of the business and who the customers are, what the actual job is, where the job's located, and so on. Let's talk about why we're not going to just share a bunch of pay range right?
2: Right. oh look absolutely like we're very not even controversial doesn't even sum it up but it's not a question that there's an answer to like it's so easy to give a glib answer oh this is the pay range based on xyz that's not helpful that is not helpful james or listeners what's helpful is to understand the role the tasks, the skills required um where your business is at um, you know, how what sort of performance structures you've got in your business. There's a whole bunch of analysis that sits behind that should be worked out before you get drawn into. It's almost a sugar hit, right? It makes it too easy. It's too default. Oh, okay, pay them between this and this. Okay, just whack that into a job ad
1: and I'll find the perfect person. Uh,
2: no. <laughs> no, 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 no. does not work.
1: No, it does not work. And as you said, like, let's say we're looking to hire a... Admin person or a credit analyst. Well, in business A, that job or that task could be quite different to in business B. Um, That's why you really need to think about what the actual job is. They don't always fit into a nice cookie cutter box and, you know, add the complexities of location, experience, your business goals, your vision and what your business needs. And it opens a can of worms. And that's why we're not going to just share random pay ranges. It would be doing you a disservice. And uh, we've been doing this for a long time, Ash, and we can probably give some examples about uh, people that are hiring under market, at market, or even over the market, and they're all the right decision.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this is where customization and bespoke analysis of your business pays off. And it's unfortunately, James. It's in pretty short supply in this industry. There's too many cookie cutter approaches to to to, to all parts of building a business, but particularly this um, pay range discussion. It's got to be based on the nuances of your business. Yeah, there are some standardised skill sets you're looking for, but you know, I might just pick one out, for example. And there's something that we do obviously within our methodologies, um, James, and that is you know. What are the character traits of you as a person? What about your other team members? What motivates you versus what motivates the person you're hiring? Do you understand the culture of your business? Now, these are the things that the data proves, James, with
1: very rare exception, are more important than the pay range. Mm, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because pay is very important. But uh, there have been studies, and we may have actually shared this in previous episodes, where Uh, I think it was a formula one team that uh, I think it was that pay their mechanics and their team less than a lot of the other teams, but their turnover of staff is far lower than others that are making more money. So it's a, it's a little bit like a mortgage broker thinking, all my job is, is to get somebody a better rate and a better deal. If you take that thinking into the uh, HR and hiring staff thinking all people want is what you know. What's the paycheck? Then you're kind of missing the point. Uh, yes, money and paycheck is important, but it's definitely not everything. And we've definitely seen that in in our business, in in all of the businesses we help as well.
2: I would probably my final comment on this before we move on, James, is to anyone is treat hiring someone when it comes to pay rates the same way you treat a potential customer that asks you about rates right you don't win business based on the rates you win business on a much bigger broader strategic trusted advisor process right james and you need to take that thinking into the way that you attract the right person for you because we all run small businesses you're not hiring someone to work on a floor with another hundred people right this is somebody that you're going to have a close relationship in a small business. That's really critical that you approach this from a values, wellness, culture perspective. Money is important. But as you said, James, there's a data up the yin-yang that shows that in the order of priority, money might be um, on the uh, job ad at the top, but it's not on the top
1: as far as retention and job satisfaction goes. Yeah, 100%. So hopefully that makes sense, listeners, as to why we are hesitant to share pay ranges. And we're like that with everything. Most of the time, if we don't have the full picture, we will not provide advice because it's not in your best interests. Cookie cutters and, you know, generic words and strategies and numbers are usually worth not much. Okay, Ash, second perspective for how much to pay staff. We also field a lot of questions on, let's say you have a key broker or a power broker, credit analyst, or just a key person in your business. Maybe it's a practice manager, client services. We get questions. Should I share percentage of profit? Should I uh, have them on a commission? Should I have them PAYG? Let's talk a little bit about that because there's a lot of misconceptions around that too.
2: Yeah, there's a bit to this one. Uh, James, and maybe maybe uh, we should start at the broker role or the loan writer role. Um, you know, this is this is probably the one that's the most commonly asked is, you know, I, I've either got a, a broker in my business or I want to hire a broker to take some of the pressure off me or to grow my business. And, you know, should I put them on salary? Should it be salary plus commission? Should it be straight commission? So there's a lot that goes into this. I, mean, I, 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 I tend to start particularly uh, with our clients, with, with the, uh, I guess, the pretense or the preparedness of is your business able to drive leads for the broker or is the broker expected to generate their own business? As obvious as that sounds, it's amazing how often we see brokers hired into business on salaries that are still Um, asked to go and find their own business and vice versa people are put on commission in a model where the leads are driven for them and and, and gets jumbled about upside down so for me you need to work out whether you want someone who's a technical expert who you can feed or whether you want an entrepreneurial person who can go out and hunt and gather because generally the operators prefer salary plus commission and the hunters prefer to get fully rewarded for their capacities to go and find business, which generally works best on commission or commission split. Exactly,
1: exactly. What about the the element or the aspect of uh, talking about processes or admin, practice managers, CSM, para broker, essentially the difference between a sales volume-based position and a process position? Do you want to talk briefly to uh, sharing profit, equity, or commission splits with roles that have direct influence over volume versus those that are more process-driven?
2: Yeah, I think from an equity perspective, I mean, that's a pretty vexed one. Um, And most brokers are pretty loath to give ownership in their business to anyone. But where it might fit is obviously um, to hang on to key people, um, partly, but also as a succession plan. So generally, there's those two things might be combined. A succession plan doesn't mean you want to walk away from the business. A succession plan is another way of saying, you know, a business that works with or without me strategy. So let's call it a succession plan. So to do that, you want to have people who are invested in the continuity and the ongoing survival of the business, and the best way to do that is for them to have a piece of the pie. So their motivations are aligned with yours. So that generally applies to a small group of key people that could be brokers, could be a a practice manager, might be a para-broker. It rarely applies to production staff because they tend to come and go. That's about doing the job, not about having a piece of the pie. However, where it might differ, and this occasionally works, is a profit pool. So a profit pool as opposed to equity is where everybody gets to share in whatever the formula happens to be in the results of the business so everyone's interests are aligned with performing their job to the best of their ability because they know it contributes to the driver of the business the brokers writing more business and therefore creating more revenue and all staff can see a direct visibility of doing their job well creating more money for the business and the business owners prepared to share an agreed portion of that as recognition of that work and it's got to be all in one in all in for that it can't be selective in my opinion you can't have any given month or quarter where one person gets a bonus and another person doesn't that that can be that can turn divisive too easily in my opinion so that that's generally where i stand with um those but the profit pool obviously needs analysis that goes without saying but assuming you've done your analysis and it makes sense and if you want it to be part of your culture that everyone's interests are aligned. Yeah, yeah. I am I, I quite like profit share as a concept.
1: Yeah, some good distinctions there for listeners. Now, there's, there was one third one that I wanted to bring up. It's probably the most important, I think, Ash, around, I mean, the topic is how much to pay staff in brackets, including you. Now, the mistake we see a lot of mortgage brokers and business owners make is that they treat their business bank account a bit like an ATM. The revenue and money's coming in, and I'm paying expenses out of that, and whatever's left in there is money that I can take out. That's how a lot of small and solo business owners essentially treat their business bank account, isn't it, Ash? They treat it like a personal account. They sure
2: do, James, and... um... Uh, I'll uh, I'll preface my comment I'm about to make by apologising to any tradies out there, right, plumbers or bricklayers. But I want all of our mortgage broker listeners to think about a time in the past where they've done a loan for a tradie. Right, I've done plenty of this back in the day. And you sit down with the tradie, good good guy, good good lady. I want a loan, and you, the question comes to you, what's your income? Oh, it's 180,000. Okay, that's awesome. We can help you. You get to their financials and their actual taxable income is 50,000. Right? So what what you what you've identified is the tradee in this example identifies revenue as income. Revenue and income are not the same. Um, not not physically, not metaphorically, not in reality, but I think a lot of us in the broking industry James we start out and I certainly was guilty of this for the first couple of years, whatever my monthly revenue is, that's my monthly income. Mm. Right? So when you apply for a loan, the reason I use that example is because that's often where that gets expressed outwardly, <laughs> that when you get asked what your income is, oh, my income is my revenue. Uh, no, it's not. Exactly. So that's, that's I hope everyone, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's it's, a, it's the wrong mindset to be drawn into thinking that your revenue, your business bank account is essentially yours. Yes, you've got to pay some expenses, but it's all your money. No. Um, so you've got to pay yourself a set wage because your business bank account shouldn't be considered your money. You control the money, but you need to take a fair wage for what you're doing and then treat the business bank account as your opportunity to build a business. That's your money that you're going to invest back into either growing the business or making it easier for you. They're the two things, aren't they, Ash? Like, if you make a hundred thousand dollars and you take fifty, well, the fifty left isn't yours. That's the money that you should be putting into staff and systems and growth. Um, and that's why a lot of mortgage brokers and business owners never get anywhere because they essentially just take whatever's left, and it's the wrong mindset to have because then you don't invest in you don't invest in people, you don't invest in the future. You just take all the money out, and we know. Companies don't like that, right? You, do, you know, um, listed companies, uh, investable companies, don't like people that just suck all the money out, do they?
2: Oh, definitely not. It,
1: you know, it, it's even it can
2: even be worse than that, James. You know, it comes to tax time, and all of a sudden, you know, you go to see your accountant. Yeah, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. Do my tax return, and oh, you owe thirty-two thousand in tax. And you know, you might have you might have some saving in your bank account. And you think, oh, you beauty, I've got this saved money and I've been taking all my money out of my account, but I've left a little bit, all of a sudden it all gets gobbled up in tax. So there's all of these reasons why you need to think like a business owner from the start. Don't think like a self-employed person who every dollar I make, that's my dollar. Every dollar you make needs to be broken up into, I'll pay myself 20 cents first, then I'll put 20 cents aside for tax. Then it's 20 cents to run the business. And then it's 20 cents in a buffer, just as an example. Now, you want to make more money? You grow the revenue so that the percentage of money you pay yourself grows, yep. right? You don't make more money by paying yourself all of your revenue. There might be a stage early on where that's necessary and I accept that, but you need still need to be having that mindset shift that you spoke to, James, about yeah. shifting your mindset to being a business owner and think like a business owner. And there'll be times to pay yourself more money down the track, but right now, Just pay yourself enough to pay your bills, personal bills, of course,
1: and then grow your personal wage by growing your business. Yep. And I'll just add one more thing to that, um, Ash, before we wrap up, I guess, is on the subject of treating your business bank account like an ATM, most will have revenue come in, pay all the expenses of the business and team and staff. Whatever's left is for them, which is the wrong way of thinking about it. You need to pay yourself first as the business owner. Money comes in, my salary, team and all the other expenses, hopefully there's profit at the end of the day as well. So don't fall into the trap of paying yourself last. It's not sustainable, it doesn't work, it's not you're not doing anybody any favors. So pay yourself a set wage, pay yourself first and then use the money in your account, your business account to take your business forward. Otherwise, You'll just be sucking it all out, spending it on probably frivolous stuff and you're not going to get anywhere and your business will be in the same position in one year and 10 years. So, yeah. yeah.
2: Spot on, James, spot on. And uh, just as a wrap, I mean, it really reminded me there when you're speaking about, you know, that decision that I made under the encouragement from a mentor, set up a separate bank account for your wage and pay yourself first each yeah, you know, month because it's a monthly industry. We get paid monthly, or you can break it up weekly if you like. But pay yourself first a set amount into a separate bank account. That's your money. Don't look at your own bank at uh, your business bank account as your money. That's a very subtle and dangerous mindset to hold. Switch it to my money is the amount is the money that I pay myself into my bank account.
1: Yep, yeah, it's no different to the putting your oxygen mask on first before you help others. And your kids, because you can't help other people if you are suffocating. So, um, yeah, hopefully that helps listeners. Yes, spot on.
2: Great topic and great to talk about. And I hope everyone takes, um, a couple of nuggets away to recalibrate their mindset and pay yourself first. Listeners,
1: very important. Definitely. Uh, it's been a really valuable episode, Ash. Uh, it always goes really fast. Listeners, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Leave some comments, follow us on socials, uh, Come and get our help, we can help you grow your business and help paying you and more money too. So looking forward to seeing you next week, Ash, with what have we've got in store.
2: Likewise, James, catch you next time.
1: Have a good week. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining this episode of Mortgage Broker Acceleration. It's now time to grow your mortgage business, your income and your lifestyle too. If you want to accelerate and learn from the best, Head over to brokerworkshop.com and join the next deep dive training with James and Dash. That's www.brokerworkshop.com. Until next time, go get them!